above all else, purity is where we are. And as we walk, it, as we walk through this together, let me, let me just give you something that Jesus said. It's so very clear, so very potent. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. The evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. We, we've talked about guarding our eyes, and today we're going to talk about guarding our ears. And mostly I think what I'm worried about is what my ears hear me saying. Uh, I, if you say something squirrely, I, I take note of that, and it bothers me. It doesn't bother me as much as when I say something squirrely. Because I fear God, I'm going to stand before God, and I'm going to give an account for the stuff I have done. Now, this doesn't mean that if you do all of this purity stuff as best you can, that it undoes the first sermon this morning. That sermon was really quite complete uh, in, in the foundational issue of it. What is, what is really important for us to understand that there are things we can do in this life belonging to God, belonging to Jesus Christ, praying, singing, doing whatever Christians do. There are things we can do to disqualify our ability to work effectively for God, number one. And then there are those strange passages in Scripture where it talks about your name being removed from the Lamb's book of life. Did you ever encounter those? Did it mess with you, I hope, like it did me? Well, if you don't know my background, I, I was neurotically guilty for two or three lifetimes, it seemed like. So that any, any threat in Scripture, I, I doubled and tripled and put on me any, any promise of blessing, I just ignored. That's not a good practice. That's doing a lot of damage to Scripture and a lot of damage to yourself. However, if you are sinning, I hope you feel terrible. That's good because it'll help bring you to the place where you say, I can't do this. I can't live like this. And, you know, some of us concrete kind of thinkers want to say, saved here, unsaved here. Saved, lost. Book of life, out of the book of life as if you can jump back and forth like that. And that's not possible to, to be that active. Some of you are very agile. You're very athletic. You, uh, when you move your body, you know exactly where your body is. I used to help coach and then officiate uh, high school, which is collegiate-style wrestling. And uh, some of those guys just were better same strength, same size, same speed, their head was better. It's like some of you and your music. 
some of you, you can you can hear when you're on tune, and some of you, you can just be singing way off tune and can't hear it. We can, but you can't, and uh, it's the same deal. These are talents that we're born with, and you can take talents and develop them and develop them and develop them, but... Uh, the thing that is really, really important for us to know about this, how we live, is when we, if we know where we are, we know where our body is, and, and in wrestling, they, they, you, start, you start in an up position, and did you see me adjust my feet? And that may be a little bit narrow. You need a, a good wide base, and you get a little bit lower, which means you can move any direction you need to move. And uh, it, it, there's, they're just step by step by step by step. And the goal is to pin the guy. I grabbed my dad. When I was uh, doing what was all in this and I was really in great physical shape. And uh, so when I grabbed him, I grabbed him like you would grab a wrestler because the goal is not to hurt them, the goal is to pin them. As a matter of fact, if the hold you're using is too punishing, it'll be illegal and you'll have to break it. And if you don't, you'll be disqualified. Well, Dad didn't have any of those boundaries. <laughs> He's a street fighter. So when you grab him, he just wants you loose. So he'll reach up and just take your nose back over the top of your head. Or stick his thumb in your eye and take it out or whatever is handy and I wouldn't turn loose and without and of course I couldn't get loose now without losing face and he was not about to let me win anything and it didn't take me long I'm not I'm not originally quick but I get there sometimes it didn't take me long to figure out this was a real dumb thing to do and if you can ever get out of this hole don't ever do this again so, we, we tore down a section of fence. This was out in a lot where we'd been shearing sheep all day. And, and anyway, it was a lot of fun except that part. But it was a good learning experience. And the, the man is 98 years old. And I have no doubt but that I could whip him. And the first thing that occurs to me is, why would you want to take that risk? Who's going to pay you enough to take that risk? So anyway, when we, when we grab life, there are, there are things that we need to understand. And if we don't get hold of it in the right way, it will take us out. Because the world and your flesh have no sense of morality. Like I was teaching these, these high schoolers, what to do to pin and what you couldn't do. And then I was enforcing it as, as, a, as an official all across the northern half of Arizona. And uh, as, they, as they grabbed each other, there had to be a plan or they could even get in trouble for just what we called stalling. Now... When it comes to this business of purity, some of us feel like that 
the thing that we're grappling against is bigger and meaner than my dad was uh, 40 years ago, whenever this was, that I lost my mind long enough to do that. Dear one, everything that God has called us to is provided for by the Holy Spirit. If God calls you to purity, it is obvious if you walk with him that he is, he is available and will be providing what it takes to walk in that. You say, man, I have a background of lust in this area or whatever, whatever, whatever. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a mess. Ah, I have good news for you. You do not impress the power of the Holy Spirit. He looks at you and says, come on over here. If you're overworked and overburdened, and I'll give you rest. That's the God we're dealing with. So, let's, let's start with some foundational stuff here. First of all, how do we speak purity? What we do speaks more loudly than what we say. Okay? Then, let's do this. Let's not assume that we are like our worst thought. There is such a thing as temptation. How are you going to be tempted if you don't have a crazy thought? I, I believe that Satan can project thoughts. I don't think he can read your mind, but he can project thoughts. He can watch your body language, and I'm not talking about Satan. I'm talking about some little two-bit demon that will be hanging around you. And when certain things come about, you get, these, you get these thoughts projected, and if you're neurotically guilty like I understand being, you immediately say, oh, I'm such an awful person. Look what I just thought. And it, it would be funny, except it is excruciatingly painful and negative. So, first of all, let's, let's begin to set some boundaries about what we do. We'll work on what we say later in the sermon, okay? What do you do? Where do you spend your time? What music do you listen to? Where do you spend your money? What clothes do you wear, guys and gals, girls Please don't wear those tops that look like you're losing them. Guys, the same with the britches. How we choose friends, how we act at school, what goes on in our thought life. Now, now we're beginning to get into a little bit more of this internal stuff. But back on the outside, what we do on the Internet, you know that we intuitively know most of what is right. Mostly, you can trust your conscience. 1 Thessalonians 4 says, It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable. That is so cool. That's the will of God. That's what he wants for you. 
Remember the promise early in the sermon, what God wants or what he requires, he makes it his business to supply. He has to, or we could never do it. So we need to decide now. Don't wait until the moment in the battle when you're being overwhelmed. Uh, I wonder why we don't say, you know, I should spend more time with the Lord. That way I could act more like he wants me to act when it, it seems like he's somewhere else. Does that make sense? Why don't you spend time with him? And then, then let, let me go back to this outside stuff. Build boundaries on whom you spend time with, whom you'll be alone with, where you go, what you do, what you allow yourself to see, what you invest your time in. And again, with technology being so in our face, in our hand, but even in our face, do the covenant eyes thing. And set goals for your choices, what you, where you're going, what kind of family you want to have, what kind of father or mother you want to be, what kind of wife or husband do you want to be, what education goals do you have, what business, sports. Uh, indiscretion can derail any of these goals. Sometimes one indiscretion. We, uh, we had the privilege last night at the banquet hearing the testimony of uh, one of the superstar athletes and uh, that, that was on the, in the football sector of younger and then high school and then college and then professional sports. And uh, he was so, according to him, so arrogant that he just could do this and still be a star. Do that and still be a star. And this stuff ultimately took him out. He was so good, it took years for it to take him out. But it took him out. It took him out. Making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. And he just quit. Ultimately. Finally just quit that because he wanted to do the drugs. Is that weird? No, that's more than weird. That's, that's bizarre to the 10th degree. That's strange. So, decide now what you're going to do and remove things that pull you away. This is back to the doing. Remove the friends that will take you down. You say, well, how are we going to witness? You know the difference, and don't even give it to me. Tired of that? If you're leading them and you're influencing them, you lead them to Jesus. If it takes a long time, you lead them to Jesus. You're using that as an excuse so you can hang with the wrong people. You're an idiot. That's Oklahoma for less than superior intellectually. And some of you knew what I meant without the interpretation. Don't do that. 
You decide now, you remove things, and then add. Add things that pull you closer. I was, I have, I have wondered about driving down the street and you feel the, the car begin to thump. And there is a, many times a funny looking little car that'll come up beside you and it's just kind of, and I think, what is the deal with that? I think I know part of the reason that that happens. Life is not always good. And if you can, if you can turn up the music to where you can't really think much, you get a little relief. I know that Christians do that with good worship music. Anybody? Okay. Now, if you're doing that to protect yourself from bad stuff, uh, I don't have a problem with that. Turn your music up. If I wanted to hear it with you, I'd be sitting in your front seat with you. So if you can keep it inside your car, I'd be good with that. But the fact is, we do that stuff, and it is important to add things that will pull us toward the Lord. Make it easier to live for God. 1 Corinthians 15 says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. So, your, your movie choices, your music choices, getting to know God. What about church? Get there. And of course, I'm preaching to the choir. Hello, you're here. But if it gets difficult for you to come because you're being pulled by this or that that's not very godly, boy, do yourself a favor and get here. Prayer. <laughs> really? I'm supposed to pray? Pardon the sarcasm, guys. If you're new here, it gets worse than this sometimes. If you want to be victorious in the Lord, set aside some time and get down and pray. You say, I run out of, in, in 30 seconds, I run out of stuff to say. Well, then start over and pray the 30 seconds again. Stop the excuses and get close to God. I don't know whether I'm speaking to anyone. I actually have a devotional life. So I'm not preaching to myself that much right now. I usually am, so you can kind of tell where I am by what I say. But, but in this, I actually do get up early. It's so funny. We have these guys that meet 5.30. 5.30? In the afternoon? No, in the morning. 5.30? That's not morning. That's the middle of the night. 5.30 at a restaurant to, to love on each other, to study a, a passage of Scripture, and pray. I have been, I think, in all the time that this has operated, which has been a couple years, I think I've been three times. And I, I, I get up early, but I don't want to see you. <laughs> and if you can make that work for you, please. There was, oh, goodness, 12, 14 guys there the last time I was there. So I know this is wonderful, and I, I, I'm delighted for you. Get there. That's good. But pray whether you go there or not. Get in the Scripture whether you go there or not. 
I, I have this habit of doing two different kinds of scripture stuff. And uh, I, just, I took Greek a long time ago, and I decided it, it, that was completely wasted if I didn't keep it up every day, so I read a little bit of Greek. Now, that's not because I'm smart. That's because I'm stupid. If I were smart, I wouldn't have to review it every day. But I go through the New Testament and read the Greek every day, and then I'm in wherever, New Testament, Old Testament, try to go through the Old Testament twice a year and the New Testament about... Oh, four, five, six times, whatever I have time for. But do that. Just do it. You say, oh, that's so holy. It, it, it's not holy. It's because I'm not holy that I have to do that. Here, here's the way to do that. You say, that's just so, that's so disciplined. I know some of you are saying, I can't do that. You're, just, you're so much more disciplined than I. Yes, I am. I am disciplined at bedtime. Do not get confused. Discipline doesn't happen at 5 or 6 a.m. It happens at 10 or 11 p.m. We talk about we need to have an outreach to young adults. But 9 a.m. Sunday, they're all supposed to be asleep. Yes, if they're dumb. Because they can't get their body in bed on Saturday night. It's my right to stay up till midnight, 1, 2 my right, your right to be in whatever that was from Oklahoma. Idiot, idiot. Really? Folks, you say, you're taking away all my fun. No, I'm trying to get you some fun that will last and save you some trouble that will wring you out. If, if somebody doesn't help you, you're going to get yourself in a position that's not fun. Now, part of what I'm doing here is maybe saving the pastoral people some counseling time. And we want to help you. If you need to sit down and talk about problems, please call whomever among us you want to speak to, with whom you want to speak. But understand this, part of the stuff that comes to us would never come to us if you just got in bed so you could get up, read the Bible, pray, set your day, and then try to shine for Jesus throughout the day and stop looking at the crumb, crummy stuff and stop flirting with the pretty girl on the job or in the classroom or where. Just walk with the Lord. We wouldn't need to see you. As a matter of fact, you would be carrying part of our counseling load for those that have not done that yet. Did you follow that? Okay. Now, it is so much fun to begin to reap the good stuff. And when I, I, I figured out that, I believe I'm right about this, that as long as we're in this body, there will be temptations. I used to think you could get so close to God that you wouldn't be tempted. That was, that was a cry of my heart, how much I hated temptation because I saw myself, I saw temptation really as sin, which is a bad place to be because if it's the will of God for you to be tempted, then you're going to be tempted. Which, but if that's really sin, then you, you don't have any choice. Well, of course, that's obviously flawed logic and flawed understanding of the Scripture. So what the Lord is doing is picking up people who are willing to, to just draw close to him, just walk with him, just 
if they sin, listen, if you sin against me or somebody else, say, oh my goodness, I hate that. I can't believe I did that to you. Please forgive me. I'm going to try to stop that. I don't want to ever do that again. That, that's a, that works like a charm. You do something screwball, apologize. Somebody do something screwball to you, nail them. Don't go tell your friends. Build your little support thing. Stop that. That's obscene. That is spiritual pornography. Oh, I'm talking about, I'm talking about us now. Don't do that. That will take you out. Well, you don't know what they did to me. I probably do. They probably did what people do to people. And it's not fun and it's not funny. And if you don't know whether you should go and, and confront them, you get in your prayer closet and you work it out with the Lord and you pray it through to where he forgives you for your part and then you forgive them for their part. And then if you need to, if you're free, just totally free, and there, there's not any reason that you need to be reconciled to them, pay close attention here then you don't have to go to them. But if reconciliation is an issue after you forgive in your prayer closet, do not go to anyone else. Go to them. That's what the Scripture teaches. And if we don't do what the Bible says, it won't work well. We've tried it every way in the world to get away from doing what the Scripture teaches, and it just always proves to be the thing we should have done in the first place. So do it. You say, you don't know how I was treated. No, probably not. And I do care. I, I, I'm, I'm holding back all kinds of sarcasm there. Be proud of me. Because it does hurt. It's awful. People suck us out and then walk on us, and that stinks. But if you get yourself prayed through and go to them and seek to be reconciled, and if they're not reconciled the first time, go back again and try it again. And after three or four times, if they won't do it, take somebody with you and get the thing reconciled. But dear ones, do not build up stuff against your opponent. Hallelujah. Boy, if we ever decide to practice this, it will change our power in prayer. It will change our power in witnessing. It will change the way God can use this congregation. And we're on the, we're on the front end of a wonderful harvest. Please don't be a part of what uh, dilutes that, compromises that, uh, renders that less effective than what it would be if we would just cover our ears. And if you have a friend that's coming to you and, and wanting you to take up their offense, blah, 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 don't. And challenge them. Say, I'll get with you and we'll pray until God gives you the light in your heart. And then you go, if it needs to be reconciled, you go and be reconciled with these people. And if that doesn't do it, then we will, I will ultimately go with you if we have to do it. But we must be full of the Spirit. Now, dear one, if we will do this in this church, there will be the delivering power that we need to have on the actual stuff. When we say purity, what we're talking about usually has to do with sexuality and so forth. And I want us to understand that if we will monitor 
our whole life that this part will be much easier because we will have a power. Uh, there, is a, there is an app that is called Plugged In. You can check out the movies. You can check out the movies that you need to on Plugged In. Uh, Al Minconi, and I think we put that in your service uh, bulletin insert. In, in that, Al deals with the basics of, of the sexual problems that we have, and it goes back to the questions, who am I, why am I here, where am I going? And if you haven't gotten it figured out who you are, you will probably get that figured out in your devotional life. And why am I here can also be kind of revealed. And in the process of all that, where am I going is going to come to the fore. If you've got all of those questions answered, young people, if you can get that stuff answered, you won't have to worry much about this other stuff. You won't, you won't marry the wrong person. You won't make the wrong choices when you uh, get out on your own and so forth. Church, this is, this is absolutely wonderful. God will work in us. He has answers for us. And he intends for us to be helped. Do the stuff that you need to do to protect yourself. Build the fences. Install covenant eyes. Talk to your family about this issue. Uh, get, get a conservative thing about the movies you see and so forth. And then in your prayer closet... Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you, 1 Peter 5, 7. And Job 10 says, you gave me life itself, the incredible love. You watched and guarded every breath I took. Jesus said it like this, a thief is only there to steal, kill, and destroy. I came so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. And I love this one so much. You are familiar with the generosity of our master, Jesus Christ. Rich as he was, he gave it all away for us. In one stroke, he became poor and we became rich. I didn't answer how far from being really, really good you can go and to be lost Partly, I don't know. I just know that the question is really, really strange. What is drawing you to seek how much like the world you can be? How much like unbelievers you can be? Why aren't you seeking how much like Jesus can I be? How much like the godliest man or woman that I know? How much like them can I be? Could, you, could we please just switch that around? Does that make sense? And if you're not walking with the Lord today, I want you to know that all of this stuff that God is calling for us and he causes us to build fences and keep stuff out that's evil and will, and will compromise us, he comes and makes it happen in our hearts. And we today, we today can be pure, cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. We can be whole in him in the Lord 
And the challenge is this. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. But some of those sins have wounded us. And the healing, you see, the blood in the communion, the wine in the communion cleanses from all sin. The body brings healing to the soul where those sins wounded us. And if you're doing the same thing over and over again, you're probably tied to some sin and it may already be forgiven, but the wound is still there and Satan can come up and hit that button and you just fall off, just fall over. And that's the kind of healing that God is talking to us about. That's where we're headed as a congregation, more and more healing so that there is less and less availability for the reaction of the world, the flesh, and the devil. May we pray. Father, I thank you for hearing. I thank you for your life. Would you by your...